Hey, Mitch. <laughs> Hi, Steve. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Good. Thanks for letting yourself in. Um, of course. Yeah. Of course. The secret backdoor cellar entrance. You don't even hear me coming. Welcome back to Everyday Meeple, mm-hmm. where Steve and I talk about everything. Meeple. There you go. Everything like it's like board board teeth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, meeple. What are you? Uh, what are you doing today? How was your week? My week is good. Yeah, you know things. It's all super weird all the time, but um, you know we're lucky in New Brunswick that we've uh, loosened things up a little bit, so my family are able to see some more people, and um, as a result of that. I've been playing less games, but I nonetheless am still thinking about them and looking forward to the time when I can get some games off my shelf again. Not that I haven't been playing because I've been playing a ton, but um, not as much. We finally played Wizards Wanted. Oh, yeah. Which is the Nick Hayes crazy, it's a Mattel game, crazy Mm. fantasy. Everybody's uh, like a wizard in training, running around this little world uh, to different towns, doing little magic jobs. And we've been trying to play it. Uh, We've had it for like a year. And uh, we bought it because it's so bright and colorful. And it seems like a nice heavyweight kids game. It's got like sort of a double-layered economy going on. And like uh, you have to pay for your movement. And you have to keep track of a lot of stuff. And But the rules are on the my least favorite rules thing where you have to fold it out like a giant uh, poster. Yes. And then bits are super hard to reference, and they uh, have some things, like you're setting stuff up, and then you go to your your turn, and it's hard to find stuff, and then it says a thing, and it says it, like one of the things it said was, uh, if, you, if you, during your movement, if you, cross, if you get any mushrooms, uh, pick them up, except right. unless you're riding the chicken. Unless you're riding the chicken, and oh. but then I'm like, well, well where do you put? Because the, the setup didn't say anything about putting these mushrooms out anywhere, right? So like, it's gone through an entire setup, and then started telling you what to do in your turn without ever mentioning these tokens. Oh. And eventually, you get to one of the action phases, and it says during this action phase, at the end of this, you flip over a card and you put a token out at the next one. Right. And it's just like there's little bits like that where on this giant, huge poster of a thing you have to sort of juggle it around and shift it around to try and find it <sighs> but once we actually played it and got it it was it's fantastic i love it oh good yeah it's really yeah. fun and it's it's never that expensive either like it's a it's a big box store type game but it's it's beautiful yeah, yeah it looks great it's art wise and we've been eyeballing it for a while but I always felt like our kids maybe weren't quite there yet so and like the the two economies there's like money which is pretty much only good for like chicken rides and a couple things because uh, <laughs> one of the ways you can get around the board is taking the chicken taxi. Right. You just can't uh, pick up mushrooms when you do it. Yeah. And then the other, the big economy is crystals. Everything is run on crystals. You need crystals to complete these spell cards in every town, which are all goofy, like fireworks displays or shaving pets or washing gnomes, weird stuff. And in order to walk, uh, you can move up to five spaces. And if you move one space, you get five crystals. You get paid to move very slowly and if you move two spaces you don't pay anything you don't get anything you don't pay anything but if you move three spaces it's three bucks if you move six uh four spaces it's six bucks and if you move 
full five spaces, it costs you 10 gems. And, and Macy is seven and has to keep track of all of this. And she did such a fun job and she loved it because it's just counting crystals. Right. And the crystals are, there's denominations of one, five, 10 and 25. And they're all like bigger and bigger and bigger. And there's like a money changer where you can turn the coins into buy more crystals. And, huh. and, and that, that actually uh, every time somebody buys it, it, it changes what everything is worth. So it's slowly like, goes around this little rondel and it comes by. I don't think that's the right word. It goes around this little circle. Yeah. And it starts off where, you know, 50 costs 10 bucks. And like, by the end it's, you can get a hundred for five bucks and then it goes oh, wow. and resets kind of thing. I'm not, I'm not getting the math, the, the actual numbers right there, but sure. I'm not trying to explain the how, game. really. How, well, so. um, how does that game end? I'm just different with all the movement and stuff. It's not, uh, is it round based or is it, it's not like oh, a, there's it's a, not a race or anything? No, so there's a there's a stack of the actual job cards that keep going out where you're you're right. as as wizards in training, you're going to these different towns to do these different wizarding jobs. Right. Uh, and at the bottom of that stack there's uh, an inspector card and he comes out. And in the center of the board there's a palace and that palace has spell licenses. So you eventually have to go to the palace get yourself a license so that you're an official wizard. And if you don't ah. do that by the end of the game, you get negative points. Interesting. Yeah. So you get, if you can qualify for a license, which has, you know, certain uh, stuff you have to collect and do, and, you know, you do so many jobs to get right. enough stuff to get a license. You also get a seal of approval from the, uh, I don't know, the castle. I don't know who's running the castle, but you get a seal of approval from the castle. So you're official, you have your license, and then you have the seal. And the seal you flip over, and it randomly gives you uh, bonus points, a way to score extra points for the end of the game. So if you get your seal early, because we're random, then you have the rest of the game till everybody, till that thing comes out to just get bonus points. And you just keep racking up bonus points. And Macy kicked our butt. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, Melissa was lagging behind. Uh, but Macy, Macy and I, like we, we were tight. We were close, uh, mm -hmm. and Macy beat me by like fifteen points in the end. Oh wow, super cool! That's speaking of Mattel, and she loved the art. She loved the art. She spent the whole game getting lost in this painted map. Oh, I uh, bet there's like stuff hidden everywhere. It's uh, it's beautiful. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and one of the complaints I read on, <laughs> on the the sites on the forums was oh, that the board was too busy and too kid-like and distracting and it's a, it's a kid's game. And you know, my seven-year-old, I, I, one is I don't find it distracting at all. It's a beautiful right. map of mountains and it's, but yeah, it's lush and it's full of stuff and it goes on forever and she loved it. So that's, that was a weird comment from somebody made. <laughs> Some grown man. It's, it's a busy game. looks like it's for kids. This kid's game is too kiddish. <laughs> Yeah, I imagine that happens. We played a kids game today because I, uh, I've, I've mentioned on here before that Violet is just completely obsessed with Ratatat Cat, which is fun. It's a great little quick uh, card game from Game Right um, that I recommend to any family really just for having fun with the kids. And you can play a game in three minutes and you can play 10 games in a row if you can handle that. Um, but I've been saying, okay, she's she's kind of getting getting the itch. We played a game of life. We talked about uh, a little while ago too. So I said, uh, Sam, let's go down and figure out one of these games that we can 
tried, so we tried ghost fighting treasure hunters today with Violet, and a couple of interesting things happened. First of all, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, ghost fighting treasure hunters, it won the Kenner Spiel in like 2015. Kenner Spiel is the kids one, right, or the lighter one, I think. Yeah. No, Kinder. Yeah. Right. Kinder okay. Spiel is the kids one. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, it, it's got a good name for itself, um, and it's a cooperative game where you control these little characters. They look like kids or preteens. And uh, you go into this mansion, you, you roll a dice, one die, uh, which determines whether you, uh, if it has a ghost on it, you're going to flip a card and you're going to start populating the rooms of this house with ghosts. And then you get to move into the house. And basically you're trying to put these gems in your backpack and get out of the house and dump the gems. So you need to get like eight gems out of the house before the room fills with haunts. And in kind of like, like pandemic, like a lot of cooperative games, um, it just kind of builds and builds. You think you can handle it, and then all of a sudden you're overwhelmed. Uh, if there are two ghosts in a room, and uh, another ghost is supposed to be added to that room, well, a haunt goes into that room. And if the six haunts come out, it's game over. So a couple interesting things happen with my kids. One being that Sam all of a sudden was like, this game's easy. He hadn't played it in a long time and was like, he was just bored with it because we haven't played in a couple of years. And, and, you know, since then we've been playing Descent together and Golem and he's kind of stepped it up. And he, I think we were 10 minutes into the game and he had all the little rubber ghosts on each one of his fingertips and was just like not paying attention. And I was over, I was getting annoyed and not really, it was totally fine, but I was expecting it to go better. <laughs> and then I, cause I thought Violet was going to get a real kick out of rolling the dice flipping the card, placing the ghosts. And at one point her head was on the table and being like, I'm so bored. <laughs> so whatever Rat-A-Tat Cat does to her brain, um, ghost fighting treasure hunters didn't really do it. Probably took us 15 minutes. We actually won. Um, and by you the won? end of it, wow. we yeah, we won. Um, which we had played a lot of two players. So I don't know if it's easy yeah, with another maybe player, easy. maybe. Yeah. No, by the we, end, we play three players all the time. We never win. Yeah, we got lucky maybe because i remembered it being so much harder but it really felt like we kind of breezed who knows maybe i even played something wrong i don't think so but uh you know we were a couple turns away where we would did you did you did you make sure that two people were in the room to fight a haunt yeah which i sam sam got stuck in a room with a haunt he's like oh i can't even fight this thing you need two people and i was like no i don't think so sam and he was like no you need two people to fight the haunt and i took the robo out and i'm like wow Good memory. Yeah, you need two people. Yeah. Um, but you're only stuck in the room if you have a coin. Right. Yeah. But and that's, and that's I how, don't think it says you, you can pick it up. Or, can you put it down? Can you just put it down and leave? I don't think it's in the rule book that you can drop them. No. But, and that's that was, weird. Why can't you drop your coin? It's weird. Drop your coin and run. It's big, big red I, haunt I, in If there was face. a giant ghost, I would... Ah! Yeah. We have, right. we have uh, our version of that is the cheaper... Like Mattel bought that, licensed it, and then uh, put the Ghostbusters IP on it. Yeah. And so we had, and our box is, it's a crappier box, but like the components are mostly the same. They're like sculpted. Uh, it's the, yeah. the new Ghostbusters. Uh, they look awesome and they're the same weird plastic that Mattel uses. It's really nice. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's like 20 bucks cheaper. Hmm. Like the Ghostbusting uh, Protect the Barrier is like, it's like 25 bucks. Right. Same game. It's, Ghost, yeah, it's, it's still, still a fun 
I recommend I would recommend that to fam- any family that was looking for a game to play with their kids where any you're family all in it together. that's into ghosts. Yeah. Some families family, right? are not into horror-ish type things, no matter how goofy. Mm. Yeah. Ghost that happens. Friends. I mean, yeah, fair enough. It's pretty friendly, but you're right. There are going to be some it's kids that are going to be weirded out. Um, but that was a, quite a bit of fun. And um, I'm actually, uh, I wanted to, I want to run this by. I meant to recommend it to you. You might have seen me post it on Instagram. But uh, I'm reading a, a book of short stories right now by Naomi Kritzer. Mm-hmm. She has a Hugo award-winning short story called uh, Cat Pictures, Please. Uh, and I picked it up just at the thrift store because that, that that story looked interesting enough, which is basically just about an artificial intelligence who is aware of everything and uh, is, is impressed mostly by cat pictures and basically wants to do favors for people. Uh, wants pictures to, of their cats. Wants to solve humans' problems. Like as an artificially uh, sentient kind of AI, can't understand why humans are struggling so much. And just wants to do everything in its power, which is a lot of power, to improve humans' lives. And it's just a, you know, a little case study almost of like a few different humans and how an artificial intelligence could make their life better and still maybe it doesn't really work. And basically all it wants to return is, you know, keep keep the cat pictures coming and I'll keep doing this. Um, they're all pretty light and friendly stories. And I wasn't expecting this. I've, I've read maybe a half a dozen or, or more. And... Uh, the other day, what was the name of, I think it was called Artifice, middle of the book story. I start reading it right away. It starts off with uh, a board game night, a board game group. And they're, they're playing uh, a, a game that didn't sound real. I can't remember. I didn't write it down. Um, but I was like, okay, maybe they're just going to use fictional games. I won't spoil the whole story here, but I can give a little pitch for it. Uh, and basically it's about this group that seems kind of frustrated with a, one of their friends who's always in and out of relationships. And she ends up showing up to game night with a, uh, with a, a robot butler, basically, with an android. And everyone's kind of weirded out. Just to feed her uh, chips so she won't get it on her fingers. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, she, you know, everyone's a bit weirded out by playing with uh, an AI. So it presents some interesting things. They're like, we can't play board games with this guy. He's, he's going to beat a, us every time. He's a calculator. And she's like, well, I've told him to win, you know, a proportionate amount of times. If, you know, he'll play as, as fair as he can. They're all like moaning and groaning about it. And then they decide to play diplomacy, um, you know, a negotiation game because they know they probably won't be that good at that. And anyways, it's kind of cool how it unfolds from there. Um, it's a it's a neat little story. It's only about 10 pages long, so it's like a quick read. But uh, yeah, I quite, quite enjoyed that one. And because of that, someone has turned, um, someone posted, oh, I'm, I'm interested in that. Uh, have you ever heard of this book? Um, and sent me a recommendation maybe you've read some of this person's book i think it's a scottish writer uh by ian banks you know this name anyway it seems to be pretty popular but he has a book called the player of games that i i'm going to order i know that I name to read. i know the player of games name but it sounds to me like a total uh big big science fiction novel where basically it's like a utopian society and, and playing board games is like a just a thing like a really yeah, it's popular how they, cultural how they like deal with everything i think i think so yeah it, and then it, uh someone comes from off world or something yeah yeah exactly um someone shows up who's a wealthy person to try out this amazing game um 
game that's so complex. I'm reading right off the page now. So like life itself that the winner becomes emperor. Um, anyways, a lot of people say it's one of his best books. So hey, I'm in, I'm into it. I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I'll report back in three years when I actually get around to reading it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, not too, not too often do I stumble upon some fiction that has uh, mentions of board games, but then not only mentions it, but it's very obvious that maybe the author is playing, you know, to mention diplomacy and, and that that's, they would mix up game night and stuff. It's, that's not, uh, it's not your, it's not in Monopoly. That's a yeah. pretty, it's a pretty, I don't want to say deep dive because I don't know how hidden diplomacy is. It's been around since the 60s. Bit of a deep cut, you know, like a deep cut. That's <laughs> the word. Yeah. Oh, man. I've also been, uh, you got some for me over there playing tennis? You got, serve one back to me? Uh, no, shoot. Don't do that. <laughs> I didn't, I don't oh, have anything here. I looked like you were going to say something. That's all I had to say. We do get to see each other. I was going to make a joke about cosmic encounters. If they'd have said cosmic wow. encounters instead of diplomacy, your head would have exploded or something. That's like that. true. That yeah, missed opportunity. All right, sir. Um, it's I'm really not excited. as much, but it, but it, it, as a game, the the joke about playing the AI to try and find a game that he wouldn't be as good at. Yeah. Cosmic encounters doesn't have the same uh, negotiation stuff. That would be no. like logical. Mm. Uh, I won't. I won't destroy you if you help me. Yeah. The, the, the negotiations wouldn't be as. I mean, could, all, where, could also play it. Could also. Uh, I feel like a, an AI, an Android, could play Cosmic Encounter a few times and, and count the cards yeah. and probably play significantly better. Um. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. What am I talking about? I don't I'm know. pretty. I'm pretty excited about a thing. What um, thing? I'm excited about a game called, well, that, a zine called Artifact, spelled with an E in the middle. We've talked about this before, um, but it popped to my head the other day, so I went looking for it, and I've been reading the PDF. Um, I was so enamored and excited by the Quiet Year, a kind of storytelling experience of a game, uh, that I want to play some more like that. And so I remembered this game, Artifact. And it's a zine where basically... You get to pick an artifact, like a staff or a sword or an axe or a deck of cards, and then you kind of are that artifact, and you draw a picture of it, and you start creating the story of this artifact. Um, so it's a storytelling game, again, where you're presented with some opportunities to uh, decide who are your keepers throughout history, who has found you, what did they do with you, were they good, were they evil, did they save their village? Did they kill a million people with you? Whatever. Um, and you get to write the story, the narrative, or at least create the, the narrative of, of this artifact. And I mean, the creator kind of has said, you know, do it for fun, do it as an exercise, but it could also, you could start creating kind of items that can pop up in like a role-playing game that have have a history already, you know, as like a DM or, or something like that. Um, but anyways, I have it, I have the sheets printed out and Susie's agreed to try it out with me. She tried the quiet year with me and, and had a good time with it. So uh, this is quite a bit different, different than playing a, a community that bounced back uh, from a, you know, cataclysm um, and playing an animate sword and creating mm -hmm. that story might be a bit 
bit tougher, but it, it looks really cool. It's created by Jack Harrison, Mouse Hole Press. It's a second printing that he kickstarted last year um, that got um, all kinds of new artwork and, and looks looks really nice. I think I'm going to say the Crom. Is that the name of the artist? Um, yeah, Crom, C-R-O-M. Really cool um, art style. Cool drawings of the artifacts and different characters and stuff. Crom, that's the god from Conan. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you if you're a Tom Robbins fan, you can play that game and make yourself a can of beans. Not not with you on that one. No, Tom Robbins, uh, skinny legs and all. Some of its main characters are inanimate objects. Ah, hmm. The uh, can of beans and. There you go. Play this game a few times. You can create your uh, write your own novel with all your special cool artifact friends. Anyways, I'm excited about that. I hope to play some of these storytelling style games so we can have a big chat about them at some point. Okay. A bigger chat about them. That means I have to go find something to play. Yeah, I can share these with you too. I would if we could get together at a table. I would be mm. right, but but you find something different, all the better. Maybe I'll play Zelda there on, the, on the on the uh, Nintendo, and we'll compare. Okay, <laughs> that's a, that, that seems fair. Is that not pulling my weight? And <laughs> <laughs> hey I'll talk about Zelda anytime. Anytime. We stopped playing. I don't know. I don't know what happened. She lost yeah. interest. Yeah, me too. We started playing uh, the Wii a lot, and she got into tennis. And how do you how do you tell your seven year old to stop being active? Come on, mm-hmm. let's get back to Zelda. <laughs> Did you uh, still want to talk about stuff? Yeah, let's talk about stuff. What do you want to talk about? Let's talk about... Uh, we were kind of preparing for a worker placement conversation. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was alluding to. I wasn't saying, yeah, you want to keep talking about stuff? Like, let's stop. <laughs> I was trying to segue. <laughs> yeah, I was just explicitly stating what we were segueing into. Okay. You know, I don't want to lose anybody. You want to... You want to keep going with this? <laughs> Should we? Zelda this, tennis that. It's been like Artifact 20 minutes. That. We can pack it in. I don't know. Um, Tell me well, about worker placement, Steve. What What are you talking about? What am I talking about when I'm talking about worker placement? Something different than I thought I was. Uh, is that I'm not I'll actually talking you. about worker placement. I'm talking what? about action. Oh drafting. yeah, action drafting. I, uh, I'll tell you what you're not talking about. And this was, this comes up, this is, there's weird mistakes. Just, it's a pet peeves for me, uh, language. Right. Uh, it was yeah, the same yeah. thing with whenever we were talking about deck building, where people uh, often in, in books about games will say Magic the Gathering was a deck building game, when in fact it was like you build your deck, but you don't play a game where you build your deck. Mm-hmm. So that they don't really fit in the terminology. And some people, for some reason, uh, with worker placement get uh, like I've read in books where people have referenced like Carcassonne as mm-hmm. worker placement where people sort of think that if you're putting a dude onto the board to do a thing uh, that's a worker placement it's not really how it how it works at all no I mean it, I mean it is you put a thing on a thing to get a thing but yeah there's definitely more um not necessarily debate but there's action more drafting it explains it so much better yeah. Then worker placement. 
it's really interesting. I didn't quite realize that there was so much talk about the actual definition of worker placement that I found, I find it pretty interesting. Um, yeah. Cause there's, there's some talk about whether or not uh, when you take an action, if it would have to be diminished for somebody else or removed yeah. from somebody else to be considered a draft. Yeah. Which I think this is so yeah, right away I went looking for the definition and found this action drafting on board game geek and, and then board game geek started listing games that they consider the first worker placement games and Keedum. they named Keedum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we had kind of talked just through, through hearing through the grapevine that, Kalis was used, widely recognized as one of the first or the first worker placement. It seems like it's popularized as the first worker placement because it's the first one, I think, in the rules to say worker and placement kind of thing. Sort right. of like coined the phrase maybe where right. Keedom was from like 98 and then uh, I think it got re-released even before Kylas came out. Yeah. It got so, uh, Aladdin's Dragons. Right. Aladdin's Dragon, something like that. Uh, and Dragons, then, yeah. And then the other one that's always in the front-running seat for grandfather-ishness is Bus. Yeah. Which is a weird one. And and they have another one on their Way Out West, a Martin Wallace. Way Out West. Oh, I don't know that one. Which I went looking in all these because I'm like, what what about these three seem to make people think it's work replacement? And I think it's less, uh, not that it's less work replacement, but they're all action drafting you're still placing something in a spot to, to get that particular action on a board i think to me and again without having played uh, aladdin's dragons or way out west or bus but just looking at overviews and things i think maybe why Kalis kind of is often credited as the first is not only is it maybe has coined it in the rule book but i think it has what you said earlier where it's it's kind of blocking yeah. a place from someone else Whereas the other three seem that uh, seem to be that you know in Aladdin's Dragons you're bidding I think to go to places but you we can both go there yeah. and we can both get the action um, and in in Bus same thing I don't think you're blocking people from taking particular actions and a lot of people seem to think that a defining feature of worker placement should be that you are removing options from from other players so there's a bit of friction a bit of friction there yeah for sure. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it's cool. I think I, I, I think uh, Kylas really set up a, a a blueprint. Like they, yeah, Kylas was like the mold for everything sort of going forward. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, and then it exploded everywhere. Yeah, there's so many. I mean, when I was looking into this, I can't believe how few I played. Really, and but you have uh, the top four ranked worker placements of t not the top four but you have four of the top 10 in your collection really? you have really? uh, agricola caverna uh i don't Anachrony, have and you don't have caverna no dave has that oh dave has caverna yeah. uh okay well you have three there's another one you have too um huh. architects or, or i don't think that's in the top 10 uh, Troy's maybe gets uh... Troy's is up there, but I think it's uh, I think uh, Waterdeep comes before Troy's. Huh. Interesting. I sh I'm sorry, I should have written your games down. Lewis and Clark <laughs> has some worker placement in there too. Lewis and Clark and its uh, partner game too. They're they're both in the top 100, I think. 
Right. Discoveries? Yeah, Discoveries is the other one. Huh. I have I have like twelve, but I have like three hundred games, so I don't have <laughs> a lot either. And yeah. like and a couple of the ones I have I, I have never played. Like I oh. have uh Infamy, which is like right. this future dystopian gangster uh turf war. Right. And you need to play with three people at least and it's and it's known to be pretty mean. Looks mm-hmm. looks great. Yeah, uh, I like the look of it. Colorful. I have uh I tried to play it the other night. We have Robin Hood, the new the newer yeah. Robin Hood. Right. And it's it's got art by Miko and it's beautiful, but it's such a such a frustration to set up and and get running. And right. the only time I've played it so far is I tried to learn it playing in a solo game, and uh, it has this cooperative mechanism, kind of like uh, Midgard, where in Midgard you have to fight the troll or everybody gets negative stuff. Right. In, in this one, you're trying to fight uh, like the the guards like they're they're uh, trying to get uh we call them carriages into the castle and you have to stop so cooperatively you have to work to stop this one mechanism from happening and if it happens it ends the game and Mm -hmm. uh and it's awkward and i haven't played it again with anybody else and like i was playing a solo Mm -hmm. game trying to learn it and it took so long to sort through all the stuff that's going on in this game and by the third round, I was finally like, oh, okay, I get it. It's making sense. It's it's fun. I like this. Ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, oh, I, I, I wasn't able to stop this. It's over. Yeah. And and I just, yeah. So we set it up. I went to set it up the other night, and I was just like, there's there was so much going on. That I was just I put it back in the box, and we played Coinbra instead, which is not a worker placement game. It still has quite a bit going on, though. Yeah. Doesn't fit yeah. this conversation, though. No, yes, fair enough. Uh, I couldn't remember for a second whether it had worker placement in it, but no, it doesn't, right? It has but, it has a something similar that some people often confuse with it, where you're you're placing uh, dice to to be able to buy uh, sort of things. So you're doing this action selection, but it is not an action draft. You're not knocking anybody out. You're not. Right. So it it's it doesn't count. Well, it's it's funny. I listened to. Uh, to go back to the definite kind of defining worker placement for a sec. Um, I always go, my, my, my first stop on doing research is to listen to Ludology because I love listening to Jeff Engelstein and those guys talk about games. Um, and interestingly enough, when they start talking about uh, action drafting and then they were kind of saying, well, you know, Jeff Engelstein's making a case that maybe Puerto Rico is a worker placement game. And then Brian Stern, I think was arguing, no way, man, what are you talking about? But then they start laying it out, and really, when you start thinking about it, they start talking about seven wonders or just card drafting in general. You know, where you, where you have a hand of cards and take one, pass it around. Um, if you, in the seven wonders, the initial cards that you're drafting around the table, what if you just spread them all out on the table and placed a coin on the one you wanted, and then took turns doing that? Kind of like worker placement, you know. But it's it's like a different kind of, but. I mean, the whole point of mechanics is to build a different, uh, totally. yeah, different yeah. things. And so like uh, Puerto Rico and Race for the Galaxy and uh, Fresco, uh, I've seen Fresco fall into lists of worker placement stuff, but those are like simultaneous, yeah. right? So, uh, and, and they don't knock anybody out, which 
whatever may or may not count, but you get uh, less bonus if you're not right. doing a thing. Uh, but it's it's simultaneous action selection. So everything is all about getting actions, yeah. but it's how you're getting them and, and sort of where, where, I mean, it's a, maybe it's nitpicky, but I mean, you gotta, yeah. you gotta draw lines or how do you, how do you talk about oh, anything? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But to me, it just, it speaks to kind of, you know, how, how games evolve a little bit and how um, I never really thought about card drafting in that way before, yeah. you know, like, you know, design a, design a game right now. We, we, we put a board out and it's a card game, but every round is different because we, we draw cards from a, from a deck and then we spread them out uh, and on the board and we're basically card drafting, but we're also placing workers on these cards. It's like worker placement, but card drafting, but I get it. They're not the same thing. And we're it's, using new components and we're kind of designing games with a different thematic uh, kind of setting in mind. It's, there's, a, there's a reverse of that where uh, a lot of, there's, I don't want to say it's a trend, but it happens a lot where uh, designers will then take a regular size game and turn it into a card game. Right. And it's the same, it's the same, it's like reverse engineering where right. the whole, the whole thing of a board and, and spaces and how your action uh, mechanics work it, it doesn't necessarily need to be one thing or another so it gets laid out in a way to communicate usually to communicate a theme and to build yeah. something like that and worker placement works fantastic for that because it's so malleable you, yeah. know, you can take pretty much any theme you can think of and because the worker is just being placed for an action you can make that action thematically anything you want and get yeah. any have it do whatever you want but you know, you can have that as a card, you, you know, like, and sometimes it comes down to, to production. Like if you can't afford to, to make it this sure. way, you have to make it another way. And yeah. it might end up like, okay, you get dealt six cards instead of you get to put Meeple out on a board because Meeple cost more. And, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's interesting. I didn't, uh, I just hadn't thought about the evolution necessarily, mm. you know, like deck building seemed a little more straightforward. We, we talked about, Magic the Gathering, and someone's like, hey, I'm going to turn this into a board game. It's self-contained, don't have to worry about the collectible aspect. I hadn't really thought about action selection and role selection and drafting as kind of all, all being one in the, in the same kind of melting pot, and you could kind yeah. of just serve it up different ways. Just sort of a it's always there in organic front of me. change. Yeah, it's always kind of there right in front of me, but I hadn't necessarily looked at them all in the same light. Yeah. They all felt very different to me, but it's kind of neat. But to me, you know, when I to put add some subjectivism to my de my own definition, it's like worker placement to me is about having a worker of some form to place on the board and get an action. And I there are a lot of games that exist, and even some of the ones I think we just mentioned that the worker placement aspect feels like a mechanic within the game. And the game doesn't necessarily feel like a worker placement game. Sure. And then there yeah, are yeah. some games that feel like worker placement games. Yeah. Because that's kind of what just drives the action. Like Tro Troy's, for instance, or Twa, however you pronounce that, um, it gets called a worker placement game. It doesn't really feel like a worker placement game to me because my something about that game, uh, my brain isn't thinking about the worker placement aspect of it. It's thinking about dice manipulation and 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 math and and not really where I'm placing my guys, even though I'm placing guys all over the place too. Whereas, um, you know, um, Raiders of the North Sea or Architects, I'm just looking at the ones in front of me, or Agricola even, are just, 
they feel like worker placement games. Mm -hmm. Just constantly placing workers and getting getting things in return. It's like a a give and take. My workers do their work. I get something. I reap the the rewards, and they, they feel like worker placement. And, and that's that's probably why Fresco gets ends up on on lists, right? Right. Because you you end up uh, divvying out your guys or your meeple, and then and then each each meeple has a job that they're going to go do, but you you're not doing anything with them. It's not, you don't, you don't put your meeple out to do those things. You put them on your little board simultaneously. And then you just, you, you get those things. Yeah. And it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, But I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Uh, Games like Raiders, the North sea, where that's all you're doing. Yeah. Feels like that's the game. And then, and then other games like Asara uh, is a game where you're, uh, right, building yeah. towers mm-hmm. and it's a very simple game it's a lushly illustrated circle of a game and your your workers are cards and you're right. putting colored cards down uh, and it doesn't it doesn't have that feel to me like a worker placement game and i've, I've actually i have a bag of meeple that i bought and i've been wanting to play a sarah with the meeple so that it gets more of that feeling for me right but there's a thing where uh whenever someone wants to uh in the different sections you basically you pay the cost is one color of card and as soon as someone plays that color of card anybody else that wants to go there has to play the same color of card right which is fine for playing your meeple but if you don't have that color of card you can still play there by playing two cards face down Mm. and you can't do that with meeple you can't hide because a lot of it is is this card counting sort of thing to see what other colors might be left available and what that person might have. And you can't right. hide two, two meeple. So I haven't really figured out how to play with the meeple. Cause I want it to be mm. more like a worker placement feeling, mm. but it doesn't have it. Yeah. It, and it's interesting. It really does seem like it is, you know, we talked um, last time we chatted in one of our little isolation chats we talked about meeple, like what meeple are and, you know, how we like to broaden the definition because to me, these meeple that rep, these little wooden components are often wooden, not always, uh, represent you in the game. They're like how you, how you enter the game, how you immerse yourself in a setting. And that's really a big part of, of the worker placement feel for me. Is again, uh, you know, in Raiders, yeah, I'm Vikings, I'm, I'm raiding. That's the whole, it's in the title, it's what this game is all about. And then it's a worker placement game where we're just constantly placing Vikings, doing work in the village, raiding on the other side of the village. I'm, I am these, these pieces. Again, Agricola, I'm like, even though that game hasn't got a ton of play and I'm still not sure exactly how I feel about it, um, I'm a farmer. And then that's what I'm doing as I'm, I'm placing and doing things, you know, taking things from market, growing vegetables raising animals i enter the game through these components um and then yeah there are certain games like the cards even just having cards instead of meeples would not feel the same uh cavern tavern we have a game called cavern tavern which uh i think is the same designers as robin hood same art same miko art mm-hmm. um in cavern tavern you're you're uh, working as servers in a in a dwarven bar in a mountain and it's a worker placement but 
your workers are dice. So you right. roll, you roll your dice and then based on your dice values, you can get different things. And the whole game is serving at this bar. So there's patrons that come in, they want right. particular drinks. You have to run around the, the whole bar trying to get these drink orders together. And you can only do it if you're, if you're able to manipulate your dice in the right way to get in the right spots. And you, and the, the longer it takes you to get an order out, the less points you get. Right. And it, it really has a great feeling uh, as a worker placement game, except that it doesn't feel like you're placing workers so much as you're just the worker. Yeah. And like, that's just you doing all the stuff where, you know, there, there's a weird thing with, and, it, and it's worded really nicely in the rules with uh, Lord's Waterdeep, your meeple, you're the Lord and the meeple that you send out are, are your workers and you're sending right. them out to take care of the stuff and do the things and, and fetch <clears throat> people to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in this one, you're just, it's like, it's like each dice that you put out is like 10 minutes of that next hour of you trying to scramble around and get, and get stuff done. I yeah. It really, it really deep. feels like a, a work shift. That, yeah. that game, that game, it does a good job of, especially with lots of people. Them. Like I think we played with five people one time and it was, was kind of mad it, there's a lot of cards to to make it work like there's yeah. so many ingredients and so much stuff going on uh and you can play that one solo and it's still fun but yeah it's it's way more fun with more people that one yeah I should, look up, I should look up who that is because they deserve a nod tavern tavern um one of the big complaints uh, i was looking into worker placement why what some people were like casting certain games like no not interested not interested in this game a big problem that people were i think ludology guys were talking about it but then it popped up in another article is the issue of first first players marker yeah it's in a lot of worker placement right place your worker there get the first player marker so that you can go first on the next turn so you got first crack at at where you place your guys and what people were taking issue with was um the person to the left of the person who gets the first player token just benefits from doing nothing. And I was, yeah, I found that a little weird uh, as an argument because I'm like, well, it's part of the game. If you don't just go first, like, make sure you go first next time or whatever. I kind of love that. Like, um, as people were complaining about that, I was thinking, oh, I kind of love that. I kind of love the, I hoping that the person next to me is going to take the first player token because I don't really want to waste my action on it, but I would love to go second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's kind of a bit of a push your luck trade-off there. You know, there's a pretty good chance that the person to my right isn't going to go to the sp the exact spot I want, and if I can get second crack at it without having, yeah, you know, I it seemed like a weird weird complaint, but it got me thinking about um, dungeon pets, um, where uh, dungeon pets does that cool first player thing, solves that issue a little bit in a way that I haven't seen a lot of other games do it. Um, and, you know, again, Dungeon Pets is a worker placement primarily. There's some other stuff going on. But the cool thing is, is that the blind almost bidding for, oh, right, for, right. for yeah. spots where you, you, you pull up your kind of shield and you huddle your workers together in, you know, one, I think, slots one through six or something. And, um, yeah, whoever has the most in slot one, well, they get to go first. But you have to place all of the workers there. Um, so you might get less actions, but you might be able to go first and second. And then first player is, is, is the player order is fluid. 
So, you know, if I place a bunch of workers in the first spot, I'll go first, but then maybe you put, put a bunch in the second slot. So you go second, but you're sitting across the table. Um, so we're, player orders are kind of all over the place. It's a bit muddy. It gets a little muddy in the brain, um, but it's kind of neat. It's an, a neat solution to, to that problem. I like for player order, and it doesn't count because it's not worker placement because we just said it wasn't uh, fresco yeah. where you basically you bid on how early you're willing to get up in the morning. I love that mechanic. And the earlier you get up in the morning, uh, you get first dibs, but everything yeah. costs more. I think Jamie Stegmeier's um, Fidiculture has something similar to that, I think. I'm curious because that's a worker placement game that gets a lot of love. Um, and I he has a, something to do with getting up. Getting up. He early. has a couple uh, that he he his other one, uh, Euphoria. Mm-hmm. It gets a lot of top ten lists for worker placements too. Yeah, I'm more interested in playing Euphoria, but that's not because I think Viticulture is a worse game. Or less no, I, I like the. I think I like the setting of Euphoria uh, a little more. There's something. Maybe. Something interesting with Euphoria, I think, where uh, I think something goes on where your allegiances can shift. Yeah. Something something can go completely wrong, and it sort of changes how you play the game later on. Right. Um, but it's been a long time since I looked into it, so I probably shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> I didn't think about it. I don't know this. Uh, Cavern Tavern is by is by, and it's I, it's going to be hard to pronounce. Uh, Vochkin and Ivana. Kristevsky okay. plus Maja Matowska and Tony Toshevsky. Wow, big team. Big team. And they are the people behind uh, the Robin Hood game. Oh, they are. And, uh, Rise to Nobility, I think. Okay. Some of them, anyway. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Worker placement. Speaking of Dungeon Pets and kind of what I was saying a few minutes ago, too. Probably my favorite thing about worker placement, and again, and, and this points to the subjectivity of everything, but particularly board games, because it comes up a lot in our conversation. People, uh, I've read just a little argument, again, on the Board Game Geek thread, which is sometimes a dangerous place to go, but it's usually civil. Um, someone was saying that worker placement is, uh, doesn't work for theme very well. Um, um, that's the opposite of the note that I wrote down. Me too. That's the opposite of my, the thing I wanted to talk about most is I, I can't think of any board game mechanic that integrates theme better. Um, yeah. And, and to me, that's, it's my favorite thing about the, the, that type of game. Is I don't, I don't have uh, the statistics or, or the desire to put the statistics together. Yeah. Uh, but just the depth, the range of themes in uh with used with with worker placement seems more diverse than you know you can go from anywhere to anywhere in that spectrum oh it's bonkers yeah and i'm even thinking about the couple that you mentioned uh, on the top 10 like the difference between agricola and anachrony is just insane you know like 17th century farming versus some far-flung fictional future where you can time travel the fact that actually doing a lot of the same things Games like uh, 51st State and uh, what's the version you have? Imperial Settlers. Imperial Settlers where uh, with, well, maybe it doesn't work in Imperial Settlers. I know in 51st State, 
uh, you get actions on your cards that other players can can come in and use yeah, yeah, with, same thing. with their worker placement. Yeah. Uh, I think you know that's amazing, and yeah. and works so well in Fifty First State. It's a it's a post apocalyptic, uh, Mad Max kind of world, and so the system kind of works by uh, what's in your neighborhood, what you can reach with the gas that you have, and then like sort of taking things by force and and raiding your your neighbors and stuff. So it works really well where you're placing your workers around your your compound, or you're going over and you're putting it on the on the neighbor's space. It's, it feels very thematic to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can do a little bit of that in in Everdell as well, which is uh, it's less apparent, but it's almost like you have to announce it as a player. They're like, oh, hey, I just put, you know, in Everdell, you're all, you know, the story is you're all building little cities as critters in this kind of fictional fantasy forest. Uh, so, you know, you're building your own city. I'm building my own little city, um, which can be 15 cards. So it's not like I'm constantly aware of what you got going on in your 15 card city from across the table, but there are cards you can put down where, yeah, you can place workers on your opponents. Uh, so I almost feel like there should be a little house rule there that there should be very publicly known that, you know, if you place down a spot that your opponents can place and say, Hey, I just placed the spot you can lay here. Cause otherwise you're not going to look because you're thinking about your own thing. Um, so it's not as apparent. It, it, it happens more naturally in 51st state and settlers. So. Do you have a, do you have a favorite right now? A favorite worker placement? Yeah. No, you know what? I didn't. I didn't really think of that as we were going through it. But if you, it's hard to pick favorites. Yeah, if you put it to me at the moment, uh, I, I probably would pick Architects of the West Kingdom with, uh, oh, out of my collection at least. I think I probably um, like Raiders more. Yeah. But um, Architects of the West Kingdom, and I recently got that Age of artisans expansion um and that really kind of made it something else for me a, a little bit better um and it does something that not every not every worker placement game that we have does this but i think it's i'm realizing that it's important for me and in, in in worker placement is incorporating workers that are, are different so like in architects, you know, all your workers are the same. You place them in a spot, you get a thing. Well, one of the things that the expansion brings into it is artisans, which are slightly bigger meeple. Uh, and when you place them, they they function as two workers. They give you double of whatever your, your resource you're trying to get. And I don't think I'm trying, I don't think they can be arrested by opponents. Oh, wow, they're, they're, they're too big. So they're they're a bit of a power power move, and you can time them in, in kind of interesting ways to do something really cool. Um, and Anachrony does that as well, where certain workers do things better. The engineers can build better, so you have to spend less resources. The administrators are the only ones that can get other workers, because you know, they can, HR workers have convinced them to come work for you or something. So just a little variation in, in worker powers is kind of neat. But again, I think probably my favorite worker placement experience, and we, we talked about Vikings a lot a little while ago, I almost feel like it might be a toss-up between Champions of Midgard and Raiders of the North Sea with the expansions in there. Um, not sure which one I like better because they're pretty different for how they play out, but I like those. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was thinking about that, and it's it's such a it's 
a weird one because my brain s- sections it off and thinks, oh, well, worker placements, you have to, you know, it's these games uh, where like I, I was thinking like, well, Ex Libris was such a fun game because I love the, I love the puzzle of sorting the books. Yeah. But my brain, I'm like, well, that's not really, I mean, that doesn't count because it's so light and it's yeah. like a puzzle game and it's, it doesn't, doesn't count. Um, I, I would have such an incredibly hard time choosing, but I have, yeah. I have loved Lords of Waterdeep. I don't know. I, uh, all the time. Uh, yeah. It's, it's such a fun game, but I also really like uh, Raiders and Midgard. And, and I think my favorite is probably one I haven't played yet. I don't know. I'd probably pick Waterdeep if I had to pick one right yeah. now and, and not one I haven't played. Yeah. I mean, um, we've got, we've got a lot of fun out of that one for sure. And never, with with the new expansions that we well they're not new the ones that we just added yeah where it just sort of changed the game again and, if yeah. anything for me with Waterdeep that would be the one I would recommend to players who have never played a worker placement before uh, as a a bit of a gateway into it and it probably would still remain a lot of people's favorites even after trying a bunch more if um, I was recommending a game I would probably go with Raiders. Yeah, because it works so well as a two-player game, and it doesn't have anything mean really happening. Mm. That's uh, a good point. Lords of Waterdeep is a super great game and easy to get into, and s- s- works so well. And I would highly recommend it to almost anybody. But if I was p- just to pick one, uh, I would pick Raiders because there are s- a lot of take that that mm. can happen in in Waterdeep and. And that can cause like a monopoly kind of bad vibe with people. Yeah, yeah. Who aren't into it. You yeah, know? no, absolutely. I think that's, that's a big thing that can push people away. But I mean, at Raiders, you can step on each other's toes and stuff too, but there's no cards that say, I'm stealing your stuff. Right. Yeah, which is never fun. Oh, you're almost about to finish a thing? I'm going to give you this card that says you can't do that until you do this now. Yeah, you got to have some skin for those. Yeah. Uh, I'm really interested. Um, Very thematic, like it works so well with the with the theme of of the town, and I don't want to talk about it. Uh, that's another <laughs> show. We will talk about it at some at some point for sure. Uh, what I'm really fascinated with with worker place, and we've already kind of alluded to it a little bit by now, um, is that since Kalis Agricola, a couple of the early ones that kind of I think solidified the, the mechanic, maybe or the, the game design kind of style. Um, it's how designers keep pushing it in weird directions, you know, and I honestly, I, I do think Shim Phillips deserves a lot for how he keeps tweaking worker placement a little bit like Raiders. It's, it's so small, but that idea of, you know, you place a worker to get an action and then you remove one you've already have down to get the action. That's just such a small tweak, but a really neat innovation. And then to, to come hot on the heels of, of that, to come out with architects, where, where you, rather than accumulate workers throughout the game, you just start with like 20 and then you're placing them all. And then and there's so many spaces that it's not really about blocking spaces so much as then uh, having them all arrested and put in jail. But, you know, maybe in a similar way to Lords of Waterdeep, that might not fly well with some people. But it's an interesting way, I think, to work with worker placement. And again, to them- thematically kind of immerse people if they're into it. But... And then again, like you mentioned, the, the one on the, on the moon and anachrony, time travel. I'm really, yeah, I just can't wait to see what more people are going to come up with. I remember reading on uh, 
Isaac Childress's blog not too long ago, the Gloomhaven designer, that he's been toying with a worker placement game. Uh, he made it kind of sound, I think, like it would be in a lab where people were experimenting with um, parallel universes and like opening holes where he kind of almost made it sound like there'd be almost like a mirror version of, of the board and you could you could uh, place workers on one spot, but you could be borrowing from like another reality mm-hmm. in another spot and kind of reaching through portals or something. It's still really early in the, in kind of his design process, but yeah, again, I just, the thematic integration that's possible with worker placement is, is my absolute favorite thing about it. Yeah. Can't wait. And I haven't mentioned Everdell very much, but um, I do genuinely love that game. And I, it's paid for itself with how much my brother and I have played it. Um, and I got to know the game really well. But uh, that's another one worth mentioning. So many. That's so many we haven't played. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Maybe it's, it's time to go. In a weird long week. Yeah. All um, right, man. I was going to say happy birthday, but that makes, makes no sense. Happy unbirthday. Happy unbirthday. Yeah. See you next week. All right, man. We'll see you soon. All right. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.